Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with creative director and veteran innovator Greg Moyer. As the CEO and founder of the Inventive Guild, he leverages his 25 years of experience in Silicon Valley and exceptional abilities in inventive thinking to initiate a global community of innovative minds. His work has led to unique program developments for tech giants like Microsoft, HP, Siemens, Dell, and Infosys, and has generated over $5.5 billion in new revenue. Amid a tech-dominant dominated economy, Greg is committed to empowering professionals and entrepreneurs with the creative prowess needed to remain indispensable in an age of AI. Greg constantly challenges the status quo, fostering a climate where individuals not only adapt, but thrive in an ever-evolving technological landscape. Enjoy this interview. Well, hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. So, I started my career in the music industry, so. Oh, cool. Okay, well, then that's that's good. I started as an audio engineer and... and um, uh, I had golden ears in high school, and when I got out of high school, I was kind of uh, meant. Well, I wasn't kind of. I was mentored by some um, uh, engineers who got me in the studio, but um, one of them uh, really helped me um, start building a career in live audio. So I'd run sound. I I I. I have kind of an engineering background myself or, yeah. or, you know, kind of a science and technology, you know, uh, thing and, uh, thought that's what I wanted to do. So I not only mixed audio, but I started developing a career to design large concert audio systems. So I ran sound for, you know, it's funny cause I, I tell people, you know, I, when I started my audio career, it was with bands that were either on their way down or on, on their way up, you know, so I've run sound for Blue Oyster Cult. And I mean, I've got a litany of, you know, classic rock bands. And because this was back in the 80s, right? When I, I'm, I'm 63. So I've been around a little bit. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but I got bored with that. Yeah. Um, and then that's how I got into set design, lighting, and then writing and directing and producing. And I got picked up by a company that did these really, we did these really large, like global product reveals and, and you know, multi-million dollar budget kind of things. Yeah. Did that for a few years. And I, uh, you know, I always had this kind of, I didn't always, not kind of, I had this kind of technical side. And so I ended up inventing automated show control. Um, so that's that's the ability to computerize everything. Um, so lighting cues, um, you know, it's all standard and built into mixing consoles and light boards now. And then there's show control systems that kind of bring it all together. But but uh, um, me and my colleagues and teams were were doing it uh, very rudimentary. And then I got hooked up with a company out of Sweden and. We actually turned it into a formal product okay. um, that kind of took the industry by storm for a while, and they're still uh, they're still uh, going great guns. But um, you know, I've since moved on from that with other uh, uh, startups and uh, keeping my consulting practice going all along the way. Thirty years in Silicon Valley, okay, and um, uh, multiple startups, and and um, worked with a company that did an IPO, and then. And then my own startup. So I've had I've had both successes, but also failures, <laughs> bombs. Sure. sure. <laughs> and um, uh, and now I'm, you know, I'm just at a different point in my life now where 
I want to share with as many people as I can something that I discovered 25 or so plus years ago. And uh, that was, in fact, it was my office was like two blocks from Apple uh, Computer in Cupertino. And we were just starting out, but it was like having our hair on fire. I mean, the, the business environment was just smoking hot. And we just couldn't hardly keep up with it all. And I was expected, you know, I was a new creative guy in town because I was originally from Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, I was expected to be creative on demand. And I got stuck, really stuck. Um, And I I owed this client a creative brief the following morning that I was going to pitch to him. And it's like 1130 at night. I'm in my office and I'm staring at a whiteboard. And, you know, the stress was palpable, right? You could feel your heart beating, you know. And I had been working on this thing for a while, and but I just I didn't know where to take it from where I was at the time. And and so I just don't ask me how I just I remembered a technique that a mentor of mine had taught me about 10 years prior um, for activating and harnessing your imagination. But it was in a different context It wasn't in a business context. And uh, so I, I, I kind of thought to myself, well, what, what the heck do I have to lose? You know, and I, 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 I kind of struggled to remember how it went and whatnot. So I sat myself in and, and, and coached myself through this technique. And um, it, it really is amazing. It's kind of life-changing, quite frankly, when, when you can really harness that power. Um, but what it did is it sparked a journey of really, I, I started asking the question, well, what would Da Vinci do? What would Edison do? What would all the, you know, Steve Jobs is down the street, right? What would he do? And over the course of the next couple of years, because I knew that, I, I knew this was going to happen again. I was even calling my competitors. Hey, John, what do you what do you do when you get stuck? You know, I mean, like really stuck. How do you get over, you know? You take a walk. I mean, you know, you see all this crap on LinkedIn and not, or not LinkedIn. Well, yeah, LinkedIn too, but YouTube, you know, it's all bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. And what, so I, I really started a journey to discover what creativity is and how do you feel, fuel it. And now at the time I was already really um, more than a thought leader. I, I was really uh, 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 led the industry in applying the tenets of brain science to an audience experience for maximum um, impact and retention. Um, because I, I was one of the foremost authorities on the neuroscience of how our brains consume and experience and ha- how we consume media and, you know, what are memory triggers and, you know, what are the things that, so that, I mean, I would have clients that would call me six months later and say, Greg, I, I don't, I've never said this before, but the opening video you did for our sales team six months ago, they're still talking about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I kind of looked at this in the same way. I said, well, there's gotta be something going on in your brain when it comes to creativity and what is it? Right. And back then we'd actually didn't know that much about, you know, it was something that was supposed to just happen, right? You didn't put creativity in a box. Yeah. Um, 
Now we know a lot of the neuroscience behind it through fMRIs and research psychologists that have done, you know, lab work with people and whatnot. And um, so I started, you know, discovering all those things that we've been learning along the way. And what I found is when, when you read, when you look at like the world's most significant innovators and you read their diaries and the contemporaneous accounts of them, they talk about it. They, they don't so much talk about their inventions. They talk more about how they came up with their ideas. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where they are in the timeline of history. They were all saying pretty much the same thing. So I paid really close attention to that. And, and what I discovered was a pattern and a sequence. Um, what, you know, out of 29 common attributes that I discovered, um, some of those attributes were, were um, think, I call them thinking and doing habits. They were skills and behaviors that I kept seeing over and over and over again. And, and then, and then almost performed in a sequence. Um, so I drew this timeline and, you know, I'm trying to figure all this stuff out as well as I'm running an agency that's, you know, we're growing like crazy and, and whatnot. And, um, and it basically kind of revealed itself to me. There were these seven basic elements or building blocks. I call them building blocks. It's what's in that tower right there. Yeah. Um, and each one is comprised of a core breakthrough skill, uh, and and um, and and, and uh, cognitive, uh, you know, some kind of behavior. Um, and some of them a couple, but this this pattern and sequence I kept seeing in the technology world with with successful entrepreneur, um, you know, innovators as well as artists and musicians um, the band queen and and where you listen to brian Maine, he talks about you know their experience on the farm um which was their kind of retreat you know studio that they uh, cut some of their most you know iconic songs at and same with led zeppelin and and listen to jimmy page talk about how they you know how stairway to heaven came about uh, and you, so I even I have a diagram. The same exact pattern and sequence keeps showing up throughout. So, so I use that, and I started doing public speaking on it years ago. And oh my god, people would line up and they wanted to hear more, and they were, you know, I couldn't keep up with it all, and you know, because of this agency that I was trying to, you know, grow, and and then I was had these startups on this, you know, going as well, and it was just kind of a crazy time. So I just kind of shut it all down and kept it as a competitive advantage. Um, applying this framework, I call it framework for inventive thinking, but applying the, this framework that's comprised of these seven building blocks. And there's there's kind of three dimensions to it. And, and these three dimensions I keep seeing over and over again when I read books and stuff. Um, in fact, uh, are you familiar with Walter Isaacson? He wrote like the official biography of Steve Jobs, and he's yeah. just written one on Elon Musk. And he wrote he wrote a book called The Innovators. Yeah, and it's really long. I mean, it's like it's like crazy forever long. This book is huge, but he takes you through really. It, it, it's really more about 
significant innovators uh, throughout time that, you know, like in, invented the calculator and, you know, on through the computer. So it's very technology driven. That's what its real focus is. And I'm, I'm like reading this or watch, well, I listen to it, you know, an audible and I'm like, oh my God, that's the framework. Oh my God, that's the framework. Oh my God, that's seven. I, oh my God, that's, you know, and, and, um, um, and so with each one, what I did is I started, I started finding the research, the scientific research that basically supports or backs up every one of these elements. And, um, you know, I have one client left that I do some consulting with and I do some creative production work for, um, and the rest of my time over the last several years has been uh, um, been putting together very carefully uh, a training program, and and now we've decided to give the the there's kind of two parts of the trade. There's kind of a uh, almost if you want to call it a uh, the basic program, and then kind of an ongoing mastery. Um, part of it because you know it's one thing to learn about it and then it's another to apply it on a daily basis but so what i was charging three thousand dollars for or twenty six hundred bucks for i'm now giving it away for free wow and um you know i'm just at a different point in my life where um i've come up with this thing called the inventive guild it's the name of the company um and uh, we've got people that are now wanting to join. We're going to be delivering the mastery uh, part of the program within that, but uh, within that is going to be a mar marketplace of ideas and, and a way for people who who really want to become insanely inventive um, uh, can, you know, it's almost like a community of like-minded people and and um and whatnot but um but yeah so so uh we're out to we're out to offer the renaissance thinking on demand uh, kind of doing it as a seven-day challenge and the challenge i hate challenges but the challenge is challenges are so bogus <laughs> I agree. but this is a this is a real challenge yeah because i will give it to you if you will complete it in seven days. Okay. Five okay. and a half hours. Okay. If you complete it in seven days, give me some feedback. Got to, got to answer some questions on a web page and refer five people. It's free. You got nothing to lose, you know, refer five people. You, you get it for free. They're going to get it for free anyway. I mean, you know, right? It's a, it's a social. It's not like I'm going to go back and charge them if they don't. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a social contract. But so our goal is we want to we want to offer this to a million people in twelve months. Okay, that's wonderful. You have done a wonderful orchestration of so many questions and things that I wanted to go through. You just kind of weave through it. You, you, you've created 
you've created a, a, a podcast dialogue that has hit so many points. Um, I do want right. to fill, I, I want to fill in a couple holes here though. Um, sure. how did this happen? You said you were from Portland. How did these seeds grow in you? How did the curiosity and inventiveness and all of these pieces become you? Um, I've thought about that. I don't know if I have the right answer for it, but I can tell you this about that I think may have something to do with it. I grew up as an early child, so I played a lot by myself. And I had cousins and stuff like that, you know, but, and, and you know, friends in the neighborhood and whatnot. But from day one, I just, like, I can remember back digging holes in the ground and creating living quarters Wow. underground and even today i have this affinity for you know these incredibly architected living quarters you know uh you know ah natural right in 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 spaces um you know that don't look like traditional houses and whatnot but but i i i really did have so Maybe my curiosity might have been inspired a little bit by a, a little TV show I saw on Da Vinci. And I, I just, I don't remember a lot about it. I remember being very young, but I thought we had the same birthday. <laughs> and as it turns out, our birthdays are one day apart. Mine's a four, April 14th, his is April 15th. Wow. But I thought his was April 14th for the longest time. Yeah. And so, you know, and I grew up on the Italian side of the family, you know, and he was Italian. So we just, I just kind of had this affinity for Da Vinci. And, but even then we didn't know a lot about him like we do now. We know a lot about, you know, uh, there's been historians and people that have gone through all of us. Do you know that he, in fact, I just saw 7,000 pages and I don't know if that's confirmed, but I know confirmed um, 5,000 pages of transcripts and drawings 5000 who does that right yeah i've been to his hometown i i traveled out there and yeah. saw his sketchings with both hands in person yeah. yeah yeah and and you know paper back then was big yeah right yeah, and yeah. it was really expensive so you 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 filled up all of it right that's yeah. why he has you know because it, it wasn't cheap yeah <laughs> yeah know? true anyway so <clears throat> Maybe that had something to do with it. I just remember growing up, you know, my grandfather had a sh small shop, you know, part of his garage or whatever. And, and, and I, I ended up with a talent that he had, and that is he hardly ever measured anything. And I can do that too. I can point to the center of a wall. I can look at a wall and tell you within about an eighth of an inch where the center point is. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I, 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 I don't know, but he made stuff and I like to make, you know, I would like build battleships out of two by four scraps and stuff. And, and, but I've always had this curiosity of just what makes things tick. You know, I was the kid who took the clock apart, couldn't put it back together, but I took it apart <laughs> and yeah. pissed yeah. off my mom. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, um, and I just went, you know, in high school, I had this injury in uh my it was my sophomore year i had and i was an athlete um um but it was um uh, it was during was it during football season i don't remember um thank god it wasn't before track or it wasn't during track season but 
I couldn't do PE class. I had a splint on my arm. I'd gotten an injury on my forearm and, and splint stuff. So a PE teacher said, well, you got to spend the time in the library. And you're not just going to sit there. So do a book report. You know, I want you to do something. And I don't remember. It was for, you know, whatever number of weeks I had to have this, you know, splint on. So what I, in books, I don't know. I was never really, fiction books, I always had a hard time. So so I challenged my, I, I read the entire world, world book encyclopedia, A through Z. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, but I just always had this curiosity. I want to know it all. I want to, you know, I just, I want to know it all. I want to, but what I discovered later on is creativity is not about knowing it all. However, what we've learned is that Look, we all have the same – think of creativity as like an engine, okay? In our brain, it's actually made up – it's actually the most calorie-consuming, it's the most active thing your brain can do is during a creative endeavor. I've got actually a uh, – I've got a, a video that I used in a lot of my presentations called The Glass Brain. It's on YouTube. I. Uh, a professor at San Francisco, University of San Francisco or San Francisco State, a neurologist got together with a 3D company and he took EEG data and they they did an animation where the brain is looks like it's glass and because they wanted to see what happens during a creative endeavor. And, you know, it dispels the myth of left brain, right brain, you know, because it's your whole brain, it's your entire brain. But what we do know is, is, Creativity really uh, is is the engine is really three of about seventeen neural networks that really get that really get fired up, and um, and they kind of have their own you know function, um, but we all have that. Everybody has the same creative potential. Yeah. Our brains are not that different from each other. What makes us different as humans, besides we look a little different, though there, there are people that look like us, you know, around the world somewhere, yeah. is <clears throat> I think our DNA is, what, 99.9% the same. Yeah. Our, our genome. So it's only one-tenth of one percent difference yeah. between us. And um, But what, what makes it different is what that engine calls on to make a new mental connection, because that's actually the definition of creativity is making a new mental connection, creating something kind of new, unique, yeah. whatever, new and unique to you or to the world. And there's different levels of creativity. Kaufman Baghetto did a lot of work on that. And um, so it's based on the inventory in your brain. That's why this notion, and I hear it all the time in TED Talks and stuff, we got we to gotta get to our childhood of creativity. No, we don't. We really don't. You don't want to do that. That's just going backwards. Um, there are things that we've been trained not to do. We just, we have to unlearn those. Uh, the school system has trained us to not be open-minded and to, you know, not do the things that lead to creativity. Um, but, um, you know, a seven-year-old is not going to come up with a new rocket engine. You need that knowledge, that information. It's like inventory. You're, if your brain's going to put together two new mental make a mental connection out of two, two, you know, associative things as it looks for patterns, 
Well, it's got to be in your brain for it to do that. Otherwise, it's not going to do that, right? So, so maybe, you know, so maybe just all the, you know, that thirst for knowledge and, you know, being a lifelong learner, I, I'm sure it has a lot to do with it because it's given my brain a lot of inventory. And I got a lot of worthless information up there, believe me. <laughs> my family always rags on me because I'm always coming up with like, you know, weird, trivial things that, you know, nobody really cares about. But for some reason, my brain, you know, it's just already up there. But anyway, so I, uh, you know, I'm artistically inclined, I'm musically inclined, but there's kind of a technology side to it all. and and um you know i think about you know you just the whole kind of how you started with the with jazz as being kind of a anchor topic maybe or whatever um so a lot of the work that mihai csikszentmihalyi did on flow and creativity uh was initially inspired by his research of jazz musicians yeah i lost your audio um Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. so he and he talks about it in his book Flow, um, and the two the two are very um, they're not one and the same, but they're they're very connected. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, he was he was doing some, you know, he started asking his questions. What what is it about jazz musicians when they get in? to a zone, get into the zone, right? And there's athletes that get into the zone. And so what is this zone? And, um, and so he, he started, um, they, uh, he had a partner and they started uh, researching. He was at the university of Chicago, I think and he started researching um, with jazz musicians and interviewing them and watching them and, and lots of them. Right. And this whole zone thing. And that actually was the kernel of his research low state. That's um, interesting. That's very, very interesting. So yeah. you, again, you've done a, a phenomenal job of laying out exactly your challenge and how you got to this point. So I'm curious for everyone out there, where can they get involved with any more information on this to do the challenge, to learn more about you and what you're doing? Where can they go? Uh, I would suggest two places. Um, one is uh, my LinkedIn. Um, I will answer anybody and, you know, give them links to, for, for, to look at things a little more closely. So Greg Moyer at LinkedIn, you know, uh, and then, um, we're getting ready to launch. So I have two websites right now and we're getting ready to launch the website where we're going to be offering the free course, um, renaissancethinking.com. Um, okay. And it's live right now, but I don't have the sign up form live yet. Okay. Um, but we're when I say we're close, we're within like a week or two. Okay, wonderful, yeah. Greg. This has been fascinating. I appreciate you opening up. I appreciate you laying it out. I hope you feel like this was a comfortable environment. You got it all out. Yeah, this has okay. been awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music